You are listening to inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary stuff. Welcome to the Doolanders. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about. Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Hello, Nick. Hi, Blake. We are into episode 21. We Amazing. Are. Brilliant. Who have we got on today? Before we do that. What Ooh. what a week. What a week in politics. We don't we rarely talk about politics on the Doolanders. Yeah. But we have to talk about it. Will what will, will will they be able to extricate Trump from office or will he just be hanging on to the, the door handle, the desk leg, or and they'll physically have to drag him out? They're gonna have to do something because uh, Biden and Harris are ready to go, it looks like. They've got Time for recording is the 11th of November 2020 and there's about 70-odd days until Inauguration Day. Isn't Kamala Harris impressive? Yeah, very. I was, I was absolutely inspired by what she's been able to achieve, what she's been able to actually do. No other woman in American political history has been able to do that. So since I think it's 17... 1789, there's been 48 VPs, all men, I'm going to say for the most part white, mm. and she's broken that tradition. Here's an uh, amazing quote from her. I've been told many times, it's not your time, it's not your turn, and let me tell you, I eat no for breakfast. So I'd recommend the same, it's a hearty breakfast. <laughs> that is a great quote. And yeah. in today's guest, we actually hear a bit of that sentiment coming through about being the right time or not. Uh, so who have we got on this week for episode 21? Episode 21, Jackie Kaczynski. I hope, Jackie, I've got the, <laughs> I've got the pronunciation of your, your surname right. I love this story of doing from Jackie. Her energy and the want to do work that actually makes her happy is just, it's inspiring. I, I think that all of our, all of the listeners, all of the Doolanders will have been at some point in their, their career or their life going, no, I'm, I feel a bit stuck here. Am I really loving what I'm doing? Yeah. Jackie did something about that. She did and she actually describes herself as someone who's too passionate and it's often to her own detriment, to the detriment of her health. And she was actually, uh, she'd actually just been in hospital just before coming and um, and talking to us. She, she is a she just powers on through. Yeah, like I spoke to her just a few days to before the the podcast, and she seemed bright, bubbly, upbeat. Said that she was feeling a little a little flat, had a migraine. That day, that afternoon, off to hospital for three days. Amazing. And then jumps on and you'll hear that her level of passion and energy. It's a little wonder that uh, what she's been able to go and start and create in its early life is really burgeoning. Yeah. So this is a story about an early stage entrepreneur uh, who did a lot of hard yards and did it from absolute rock bottom. And she goes, describes um, you know, how that feels. And she also goes on to describe in detail how she found her passion and the process that she used 
And Blake, can you please try and pronounce the name of her business? Because you did get it wrong a couple of times. I did. Yeah, I went with Meriki and it's not Meriki, it's Merikai. <laughs> no, it's not. It's Meraki. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm glad we captured that on the recording. <laughs> Good. Here's Jackie Kozitsky. We hope you enjoy this episode. Blake, do you like stories of people doing? I love stories of people doing, Nick. Well, if you out there like stories of people doing and you want us to make more stories of people doing, then like this podcast, subscribe and tell your mates because the more people we have listening, the more episodes we can make and that's better for everyone out there who's doing or wants to do. And as Arnold would say, do it. I thought he said I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Take it away, Blake. Don't forget hey. my name. First. <laughs> Nick. <laughs> hey, Jackie. How are you? Welcome to the Doolanders. Thank you, Blake. Hi, Nick. <laughs> Hi, Jackie. <laughs> hey, Good Jackie. to have you on the show. It is, it is amazing. You've dragged yourself um, out of a hospital bed just to be with us uh, here on the Doolanders. <laughs> Um, oh, it's a bit dramatic, but yes. <laughs> it might be dramatic, but it's true. You told us like three minutes ago. Um, hey, thank you so much for joining us. You are the owner, let me get this right, of Meraki Produce. How'd I go? Yes. Yes, you got it. No. Boom. Thank yep. you very much. Yep, um, six <laughs> yeah, six go. The sixth time I've got it right. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, Jackie, tell us a little bit about... Um, Meraki Produce, what do you do? So Meraki Produce is a healthy food store located in Albury, um, up in New South Wales. And we are, there's four pillars to the business. So we have a shop on the main street, um, which you can get uh, grab and go food. Then we have online ordering. So you can order those meals and we deliver them every week. And then we have cooking classes. So we do kids cooking classes plus adult meal prep classes and we do catering, so a healthy version of catering, like corporate catering and event catering. Um, yeah, that's basically it in a nutshell. Base, all focused on healthy food, making it all from scratch, um, and just, yeah, putting our heart and soul into it, really. We're very passionate about doing it all from scratch and doing it yeah, with lots of heart. We will get into that heart and soul and and the real purpose behind your business and you know you talked about that healthy food um for people we'll get into that in a minute but uh talking about health and 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 sport it played a massive part in your your childhood didn't it take us through how big a part it played and um to what extent it actually made you feel different yeah so Sport, coming from, I grew up in Corowa, a really small town. Um, sport was everything for a lot of us because um, there wasn't a lot else to do. And my family really big into sport. So my parents um, and my brother and sister. So it was every night you chose a sport to play. Um, every night was a different sport and you could just fit in as many hours as you could as long as we were home by dark. My parents were okay with that. Um, and then on weekends I would often play netball in the morning or tennis in the morning netball in the afternoon then walk across 
and play another game of tennis because um, all the sporting fields were close together. Um, and then on weekend, on the Sunday, I'd play a game of hockey in Coral and then drive up to Aubrey and often play another game of hockey there. So a lot of sport um, was filled with yeah, a whole family. But I guess um, played at, I guess, a high level, um, consider it in Corowa and really loved it. But I was very, not everyone around me was as, my friendship group, I guess, weren't as competitive or had different interests, I think. So I did feel really different because I wasn't the kid that would went down the street to hang out on the weekend. Um, I didn't, later on, I didn't drink. I was always, um, I'd go to Wagga every Sunday when I was a bit older, which is about two hours. So I'd have to go there at 6am every Sunday for netball. And so when others kind of had different things going on, Socially, I was always with sport, so I did feel really different in that sense. So if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, it does. Sure does. Sure does. And what what was driving you? Look, was it the the want to win? Was it the um, you know being in teams? What was it that you loved so much about sport? Was it the health aspect? Yeah, I guess um, all of that. Like I, I'm definitely competitive. Like. It's, it's funny, my niece, um, they call her Mini Jacks, and she is just as competitive. Like, I forgot how competitive I was till I watch her. Um, like, Monopoly is life and death, that kind of competitive. But, um, <laughs> right, we, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, definitely competitive, but just I loved health. I loved being outside. I've always eaten quite healthy, and our parents were always big health advocates. Um, my mum would always worked hard, but always made really good food from scratch on the dinner table every night. So health, yeah, has always been a big focus um, for me. So I think enjoying that part, but with in teams, um, yeah, and just do achieving things together. Like I'm a really big believer in teams and achieving more when you're with other people, so much more enjoyable. And why I prefer netball and hockey, those kind of sports over, say, tennis, which is an individual sport. Okay, and you're, you're a pretty determined person, aren't you, and success is important in your life. Throughout your childhood and teens, how did that manifest? Yeah, I guess looking back now, I didn't see it as successful. It was just I really enjoyed it. I'm very determined, but very deter- I, was very, I am very determined. I was very determined to be the best at what I could be. So I was very hard on myself. I remember different scenarios where I would it was all against what I was doing not so much what others were doing um but yes I think success was important but not to what others um I didn't really factor in what others were thinking it was more I just set the bar very high for myself so coming out of high school was it clear on what you wanted to do as a highly determined success driven person Yes and no. I knew I wanted to be in health and I remember um, getting the, I think, I don't know if they still do it now, but it, when you went to uni or cho- choosing courses, it was just all in a book. And I remember looking for a, I sound really old. I'm pretty sure it's not still done in a book, but. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's probably like, do, you still, do you still get the yellow pages out, Jackie? Yeah, it literally felt like that. Well, I did have internet, but it just, yeah, for some, I just remember a course book and the only I thought I would do, and I did some work experience with sports psychology, and um, and I thought that would be the path I might go down. So, and the only course that I could find 
a double degree in that was in Bathurst, so um, exercise science and psychology. Moved to Bathurst to do that, but I actually didn't know. I just chose it from the book, <laughs> that course, because it was the only one that it was available. So you um, you weren't sure about you know what you were going to do, so you thought, oh, you know, you'll, you've opened up a book and stuck a finger in the air and said, okay, I'll, I'll head off to Bathurst to do, to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you go from there? You found yourself um, living and working in London for a couple of years. What what was that all about? Yeah, so after Bathurst, moved to Sydney um, and did some return to work programs with Health and RPA Hospital, and and then went didn't enjoy it um, at all. wasn't what I wanted to do, so chose to move to London, um, and for two reasons, um, my boyfriend he was over there and all at the time and also um, wanting to use that working holiday experience to experience different jobs and not feel I guess guilty trying a job and doing it for a couple of months and then trying something else so I really yeah London was a good experience to kind of see the world but also work out what it is that I wanted to do so just I tried different things um, worked at L'Oreal like um, the big L'Oreal headquarters didn't enjoy that and ended up doing a te- being becoming a teacher aide there at a really little school and loved it, absolutely loved it. And from there, did you um, did you go on to study to become a teacher, or what? What transpired from there? Yes, yeah. So then moved back to Melbourne, um, and my sister at the time she was a teacher, so I did think, and we're very very similar, so I did think maybe that's something I'd want to pursue. So. Whilst in London, applied to do my postgrad um, in teaching. So then came back and did a year's study primary school teaching. Okay. So then, yeah, was doing that down in Melbourne for a few years. The, the primary school teaching. Yes. Yep. Were you um, doing any sport at this start, stage, or you just dropped that like a hot potato? Or no, no, still, yeah, still sport. So um, touch footy, netball. Yeah, still playing a lot of sports. Still. Like, yeah, and still um, food was still a really big part. Like I remember working quite hard during uni and all my money would go on food and then I would cook to feed lots of people in the house and invite friends over because that was something, yeah, I loved doing. So I still, yeah, just remember that. So you've travelled over to London, you've come back, you said, you know, my sister's a teacher, I'm going to see if this is for me. You went through, you you know, you, you studied and you moved into um, a, a teaching role and did you get gratification out of that that job um, and if so what were the things that you know worked for you yeah I definitely I loved it I loved um, working with kids it's a big a big factor in yeah what I enjoy in life I love working with kids um, seeing the progress they made and um, but something I also loved doing was I always made cooking classes I ended up turning things into classrooms into we would do like a procedural text writing I would end up getting them to create their favorite sandwich and they'd have to describe how to make that for example but it had to be a healthy sandwich so um yeah anyway I still ended up working food into it but I absolutely loved the teaching side I then became a leader um, in my second year teaching and I think with education, that's what got quite quite hard because I do genuinely believe it's very hard to be a good teacher and a good leader. 
I don't think it's – you just can't do – I believe it's just too hard to do both. You're either a really good teacher or a good leader because you just – if you're leading really well, your class suffers. But if you're teaching really well, you're not leading as well. So it was, I found it really hard to juggle because I wanted to do both really well and it, it just became pretty hard to do both. And was this the point when you started to reflect on where you were and you weren't overly happy where you were? Yeah, so in – and. And while this was happening, so I was in Melbourne, we actually moved back to Albury um, and I was teaching up here as well. Um, and, yeah, very similar things. Still loved teaching um, but just found it, yeah, just wasn't everything, I guess. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. I just knew my gut feeling was that there was more to what I wanted to do. Yeah, okay. So it wasn't um... – there was was there a fire in the belly or there wasn't a fire in the belly? I mean, it wasn't filling you up in terms of, you know, what, what made you happy. Because I think, you know, we were talking earlier that um, in 2016 you found yourself reflecting and you, you, you weren't overly happy with yeah. um, your, I, I don't know, I'll say your lot in life. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, through that, through, tell us what happened throughout that time because you've created this, this document, this place to um, – store a whole bunch of, you know, motivation and inspiration. And um, you can tell our listeners what you, what you called it in a minute um, <laughs> and what, what sits behind that meaning. So talk us through, you're in, you're, perhaps you're not in the greatest headspace um, yeah. and what you did from there. Yeah, so in 2016, I, yeah, as you mentioned, wasn't in a good headspace at all, actually separated from my, boyfriend at the time who is now my husband so we we're back together um but just weren't wasn't happy with lots of different things um with who I was and what I was doing um and I kept complaining about my career I guess and my life and I kept being really just unhappy and I hit rock bottom or what felt like rock bottom um spent a bit of time down in Melbourne with my family and my sister and just took two weeks off from a career and just worked out what it is that I might want to do. And at that time I was saving lots of memes um, on Instagram and I actually, sorry, I wasn't on Instagram then. So on um, Facebook and anything like that, constantly motivational memes about happiness. And then had lots saved in my phone and I'm a big, I love technology and things. So I had started a Google doc um because that's what we used in teaching and I had it on my phone and I saw a meme that was called uh, meraki it's a Greek word and it means to put your heart and soul into something that you love so I called the google doc meraki and from 2016 for a year I just constantly added anything that helped that made me happy or inspired me um, so, and I had no real, I look back at it now and I had no real constraints on it. I just, any photos, um, any quotes, any food, any, anything at all, like wasn't food related. It was just anything that made me happy. Um, so I guess my gut feeling was I knew I wanted to be happy. I just didn't know how. So I started that document um, and just continually added to it. And, and was it kept, was it career focused or was it just anything like absolutely no, anything that makes you happy anything, at that point yeah. in time? Yep, yep. So I was really because I found I would add like at the start I would overthink it and I would try and add something. I'm like, oh no, that 
I put shouldn't put that in, but that wasn't the purpose of it. It was purely I didn't I didn't know what it was at the time, but it was just I just wanted it to be something that kept all of my what inspired me and what made me happy because I'm very organized and it just made sense for me to keep it all in one document so I could see it all. So And so were yeah. you formatting it? I can imagine some sort of very particular structure to this or was it just copy paste from the internet thought comes out of the mind write it down a big part of me did want to format it and have it you know aerial font 10 and all that but i didn't (laughs) i just just made it anything like yeah just to keep it as simple as possible just adding any photos um any yeah anything at all any text whatever i I was really focused on making sure whatever made me happy or inspired me went into that document. So over the course of the year, how big did this document get? Oh, and I thought before this, I thought I should have checked that. I think it was about 40 pages long. So, yeah. And, was... and what sort of, when did, what point did you start to look through, back through your earlier entries and start to see a pattern evolve or emerge? Yeah, so probably um, about September 2017. I remember thinking it was getting pretty big and I remember thinking I need what is it that I'm going to do or how what you know what yeah what am I going to do and I started just to go back through and look through this document um I actually printed it um on the school printer so <laughs> hope they're not listening <laughs> in color too yeah. <laughs> wow yeah I know yeah um so I printed it and just went through and would highlight common like common themes really that was the thing because there's a lot lot of different things like just colors or anything at all um a big part of why it worked for me is that I didn't have any rules around it it was just anything that worked and made me happy and inspired me so yeah I just started to go through it and highlight common themes and yeah the common thing that came up was food and it wasn't just because you were hungry all no. the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could have been. Cause I, do, I do enjoy eating a lot. But I guess and one other part of that was that a lot of that document, when looking back on it, I was, when I was unhappy, I would cook. Um, I didn't go to therapy or anything. Not that it was just that was my kind of mindfulness. Um, so if I had a big day and I was living on my own, I would go home and cook gnocchi or pasta from scratch for four hours and just eat it on my own, which I loved and most people would go to that effort, I guess, but it made me really happy. And that was then a photo that I'd put in that Google Doc. So that's yeah. what the thing was. That's amazing. That is amazing because for, you know, most blokes that are unhappy, they're, they're not going to make four hours worth of pasta. They're going straight for the can of baked beans, aren't they? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that, that's taken me four hours to open before in the olden yeah. days. <laughs> oh, broke it. Oh, how do I get into this can? <laughs> so this is, you're talking September 2017. That's yes. when you started going through it. And by October, yep. you then yeah. somehow got the courage up to go to your boss's office and say, I want to take a year's leave without pay. Yes. I don't have a formal plan in place. Um, yeah. It was a good paying job, no plan. Well, yeah, yep. (laughs) (laughs) You just knew what you wanted to pursue and that was supplying healthy food to others. So to get the enjoyment 
for the process for you and then passing on that to enjoyment in healthy food to other people. What was going through your mind at that time? It must have been a yeah, mixture of I, different emotions. Oh, definitely. I I can't quite remember the exact moment where I went, I need to go in, but I just know that I kept doing it and I thought if I'm the only one that can change this. So I remember walking into my yeah, to my principal and just saying, um, I'm going I'm going to take a year's leave um without pay and just her being quite shocked. But it's all a bit blurry as well because it was the scariest thing I've ever done at that time. Um, and she said, what are you going to do? And I just said, I'm going to cook. Um, I know that I want to cook. I'm just not quite sure how yet. Um, and I think I could. I felt confident that because with teaching you can casual teach, so I thought I could plan something for a few days and casual teach for a couple of days as well. So I kind of had that as a bit of a backup plan, knowing there was yeah there was a need for casual teachers up in Albury. So um, yeah, so I think I actually felt <laughs> in my head now I can just imagine um, John Travolta strutting out of the office like I was <laughs> really you know um, yeah S- just feeling really Saturday yeah. night fever esque yeah <laughs> like, yeah yeah I love it yeah, but so yeah, you had no idea <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. am I, you had no idea what you're going to do but you've just strutted yep. out there like Johnny with his big white flares on yeah exactly and then I just I knew <laughs> then that I had to focus so that's October and I had till so I had a time frame um obviously because then I was finished in December so I used to work I used to work quite hard teaching but then on a Saturday or a Sunday I would go into work again I'm declaring a few things I probably shouldn't <laughs> but I went in and I spent that day on Meraki again not knowing I'd call it Meraki but I knew the document was that so I spent yeah, it was most Sundays, every Sunday focused on um, Meraki, what that might be. So, and I very clearly remember Googling how um, business, how to start a business, what do you need to start a business, what is an ABN. Um, I did a lot, I still do a lot of Googling, but that was, yeah, what I spent every Sunday just, yeah, trying to do, go through a bit of a list and I created another Google Doc on experts. So I looked around and thought, so I didn't know how to set up a brand. I didn't know you had to, but I looked at other businesses. I looked that, well, I need a logo. So what would I need to do for that? And then had a Google Doc on who I can speak to. So I used to try and organize interviews after school to then, um, after work, to speak with people that had started businesses. Um, different food experts in Melbourne. I remember people were just really, when you ask, they're so generous with their time, which blew me away. Like I couldn't believe this in the early days and how many people helped me because I didn't know what I was asking for, but they helped me to get to where I needed to kind of thing in each step. I reckon um, you should ring Google and say yep. they should sponsor you because you yeah. have given them a fair, you've given them a so fair true. plug, Jackie. I mean, really, I they've they've allowed you to glue this little uh, this <laughs> amazing business of yours together. So yeah, um, it, it sounds like uh, you know. Fortunately, we're well. Fortunately, we're doing this via video, right? And I could see the expression on your face when you um, 
talked about the moment you you said to the um, the principal that you were you know you're leaving. Yeah. Was it liberating? Like, was it like I'm off on a uh, on an unknown adventure here? Choose my own adventure. What, like, what what was it? You said you were strutting around like John Travolta, but what was <laughs> you know? Was it liberating? What what did you feel? Yeah, it was. I think because at that time as well, um, you know, you're in the midst of report writing and all of these different things, and 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 not just that school, but just so many schools and teachers are overworked and they're burnt out. And we, I really felt that. Um, so when I knew that I was going to do something different, I wasn't, and I also didn't tell anyone. So I knew, people knew I was leaving, but they believed I was taking a year off to travel because I didn't want to announce until I knew what it was. I kept my cards pretty close to my chest because I didn't know what that might look like. So yeah, I just, I did feel really liberated. Um, but I'm trying, yeah, I think, yeah, just telling people about it as well. I remember not being quite sure and speaking to my mum and she said, yeah, to just to do it. If it's your gut feeling, go for it. She regretted not following her passion earlier on in life. And that was a big thing. So I think I was really worried about letting people down or, yeah, because it's, yeah, it just felt pretty, a crazy thing to do um, when I when I did it, but um, I, yeah, I did. I felt really liberated doing it. Now that I think of it, great. So you've said to the principal, "I'm off." You've walked out the door. You googled a few things about <laughs> how am I going to make this thing work? How did yeah. you actually get it off the ground? Like what what made it propel into a business? Yeah, so I I remember registering for an AVN because um, that's what Google said. So I did that and then started researching because my initial plan was to do kids' healthy lunch boxes. So I know people are time poor, parents are time poor, um, and a big thing I would notice with children in class is um, if they didn't have good lunch boxes, their behaviour was different, they were always hungry. Um, yeah, I just I did notice a huge difference with that, and I thought if I could provide that, if I could actually sell lunch boxes for like pre-made lunch boxes for parents, um, so that was the initial plan. So I started doing a lot of research, um, interviewing different people that do kids um, kids cooking, and um, just through googling again, um, through researching uh, lots of different businesses across the world. Um, packaging, different things on how I could get, so getting samples delivered on lunch boxes, finding out about food safety because having, you know, the lunch boxes delivered, the logistics behind it all. Um, so kind of doing a lot of that um, for, you know, November, December. Um, and then in December, it was like December 27th or something, it was – just after our Christmas party where I so I announced in my farewell speech at the staff meeting that I was leaving to they knew I was leaving but that I was actually because the day before I registered the ABM so I said I'm starting a business called Meraki um and then that that night I put it on Facebook as a status as you do and um I went to F45 a gym here in Albury and the owners actually messaged me and said we'd love to chat with you 
so that was the end of December. Met with them on, I think it was Jan 1st or something, and they asked me if I'd be interested in providing meals for the F45. So I don't know if you're aware, but F45 have a meal plan. Um, so if I would cook the meal plan for members there. So, of course, um, a big part of what I do is I say yes, what um, Richard Branson says, say yes, and then work work the rest out. So I said yes, and then I had two weeks to set up the business. <laughs> okay. So, so you've said yes to um, yep. the lovely people at F45 in Albury. Yeah. How many meals did you have to make for um, F45 in Albury? Well, yeah, I, a lot, but without kind of knowing. So before that, I didn't have a logo. So this is all – when I said yes to that, I still didn't have a logo or anything. So I had to get a logo, find out um, public liability insurance because I was delivering meals there. I had to work out what that actually meant. Um, just so many logistical things. Then getting a website. So I had an amazing lady in Melbourne um, that really helped me to do all that part, set up an e-commerce, found out what that was, an e-commerce website to be able to buy online. Um, so did all that in two weeks and then presented Meraki to F45, <clears throat> excuse me, the challenge um, that was about to start. And then I had, I'll never forget, about midnight I had my first order through for the whole eight weeks. Someone bought all eight weeks of lunch and dinners Um and, yeah, I didn't sleep, so I just watched to see if other people would order. So I think I had eight orders that first week. Um, and, yeah, just I cooked. So this is all in a tiny little apartment. Um, so I would cook 10 kilos of rump steak out on the barbecue at 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. People in the street were yeah, going. had no idea. Yeah. Gee, she loves but meat. Then, yeah. <laughs> <Just> cooking <laughs> on a Sunday morning. <laughs> Yep. And then, but I'd have to, I'd get up at about 4am the next morning to deliver the meals to the gym. So I was packing ice packs and things. I also thought they might think something dodgy's happening because I was always up early in the garage packing ice packs and <laughs> no one ever actually asked me in the street what I was doing. But yeah. So in so, that two week time frame, you worked out how to set up your business and actually had to set up the business. How did you yep. go with things like pricing? How did you know? A lot like of how research. Much yeah. 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 Again, created a document on um, pricing and just so much time. Like, yeah, I can't um, – definitely pricing is such a hard thing and still is a hard thing, but I ordered all different ready-made meals and it's hard because a lot back then, um, two years ago, weren't available in Albury as well, so it was very hard to get things. So then my sister in Melbourne, she would order things for me to then take photos just to see packaging and see what other people did. So um, not to copy them but just to go, how do I kind of do this? Because so many things weren't available in Albury. Like styrofoam boxes I couldn't get, so I had to get a pallet load delivered which filled up my whole garage. So <laughs> I had all these boxes that I couldn't fit in right. anything else. So, well, and yeah. you, you, were, um, you mentioned earlier that, like those two weeks, those first two weeks were the, just the the toughest and the most overwhelming in in your life. Um, yes, yeah. You also mentioned that uh, you cried a lot in front of um, suppliers. Did that work? Yeah, 
Oh, yeah, I guess because I still have them. But <laughs> I remember crying to my butcher because I just, I was just so delirious because it was probably, yeah, I look back, I was, yeah, doing 18, 17, 18 hour days. And because I was cooking from home, I couldn't leave home. And I just, I just kept getting, you know, just saying yes. So I had all this work. Um, and still, I've, I had to make all the nutrition panels, the labels myself. So typing up all the ingredients to stick on the packaging, um, and then delivering all across Albury Wodonga. Um, so yeah, I just, I just remember crying to a, a lawyer, like a solicitor, um, because I was asking things and she was getting frustrated because she didn't understand what I wanted, but I didn't understand what I wanted either. <laughs> so it was a vicious cycle, but. <laughs> Um, but I also found out you can ask a lot of things before you have to pay. So I learned how to, <laughs> to ask a lot of stuff <laughs> before it became a consult. So. Very well played. <laughs> so, yes. yep. so fast forward six months, you've, and then tell me, you're in the, are you in the same kitchen where you've banged out how many meals from your home kitchen? Yeah. I did in the little one or two bedroom apartment over 10,000 meals. And I just, so I had to move my couches in the lounge room and just put Bunnings tables. <laughs> wow. Really, yeah, a good look. So, because to plate up all the food. So, um, yeah, so I did over 10,000 meals. Um, Was it then, all you? Was there any help? I had help in terms of friends would come over. And this is back when I didn't know you could get peeled onions for example um, peeled garlic so I was peeling and I was just all these things that I had no idea about um, like I would spend all Friday because F45 the meal plan at the start when I was just copying it would be three cups of beans and a hundred grams of protein so if I'm doing 40 meals that's like 400 cups of um, beans was that right I don't know. But yeah, it was just, it was 10 kilos of beans that I have to top and tail. So I used to listen to an audio book a day because I was just constantly cooking. So I got through lots of books and which is good. But um, yeah, I, so I had lots, so many friends come over, um, family would come up and stay because after cooking, of course, you have to do the dishes. So that used to break me uh, like 11 o'clock at night to do all the packaging in the garage and have it all in a fridge and then walk into the kitchen and just see dishes. Oh, yeah. Still, I have PTSD from seeing those dishes. <laughs> and so, were, you thinking, were you thinking, yep, I love this. This is what I, this is yeah, what I want to be I doing? Was, or did you, yep. did you think, no, nah, this is a stepping stone to something else? Or are you just going, I just love what I'm doing right now? Um, yeah, good question. I think I didn't, I don't really have time to think, honestly think about anything more than that it was just getting through and just cooking and making sure I was getting the meals for everyone and um just learning as I went but I didn't it was not till later on I started to think about what else I could do with Meraki I was purely just trying to get people to order to make sure I could continue cooking really so but I also like it was really satisfying to cook and to plate up all these meals and then see all this food that I had made and feel really proud and, and loving it because it was something I was doing um, that I'd created. So it's a big difference to working for someone else, I guess. So. 
Amazing. Um, so when you, you know, fast forward, you two and a half years into this, this passion and this purpose of yours. Um, when were you actually sure it was or, you know, it, that it was actually going to work <laughs> and, um, yeah. you were going to be able to, you know, turn a profit and, and not only follow your passion, but build a sustainable business? I guess it's a, it's a big question um, because I think a lot of people, and it'll be a long answer, but a lot of people look at business and just see that they're killing it. They see businesses, people see, I believe, people see businesses that it's so good because you've got your own hours and you can make, um, you're your own boss kind of thing. So um, for me, to, for that two and a half years, I ended up hiring Lindy, a chef, um, best thing I ever did. Then we did another. I got into a commercial kitchen at a footy club, um, and then we moved to a shop. But that whole time, like that first year, I lost a lot of money um, because I was just—I had no idea about costings, um, and the menus weren't seasonal. So I remember the my supplier, um, who still is my supplier now, but they went to two different markets in Melbourne to find ten kilos of Brussels sprouts for me because that was on the menu. So I paid a fortune for them, not knowing. Yeah. Like, yeah. So a dollar a just, sprout or something. Yeah, it was it was phenomenal, and but people don't even like them, so it was just. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's right. <laughs> it was so frustrating. That's right to get like, to, to get mean, left on the plate because they hate them. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. I think I remember putting on Facebook, um, "Eat those Brussels sprouts." <laughs> <laughs> a lot of heart and soul, and a little bit of cash has gone into those. Um, but yeah, it's I. I only, and I say this because I get told every day now, oh, you're killing it. And it's only been probably the last month, so it's been two and a half years, the last month I've thought we are going to make it. So my, with Steve, my mentor, we meet um, every month, every week, like depends on what's happening. But we had to get to December last year. That was the goal. I had to prove that it could work, and that was December last year. So all of that's happening, and you can be selling lots of meals, but it is just so expensive to run a food business and all the different elements, wages, um, yeah, all your overhead. So it just I could never find the right balance, particularly because I brought in catering um, as well. So And then the shop front. There's three pillars then to try and cost out and work out the logistics of, and I'm my own worst enemy because I'm a perfection or I like things to be done well. So I'll, I would much rather spend a little bit more to make sure it is good. So yeah, and answer to your question, it's only been probably the last month or two that I've really now went. I believe this can work. Um, it's just now how to scale it to be able to provide more, yes, and to turn a yeah, better profit. So you were cooking out of the footy club and you are obviously doing a lot more meals when you had a bigger kitchen. Did What was the thinking process to go, it was, it, was it just not big enough to make a, a living out of that? What, what made you think I've got to diversify into a shop front, into catering, um, cooking classes, all of that? What yeah, was the thinking yeah. behind that? Yeah, it's a good question because the footy club, um, they were incredible. Actually, I didn't need to pay for that kitchen. They they let me use it. Um, 
and still again another reason why Meraki wouldn't be here without that without the footy club. Um, um, the it was really really good. The cool room was downstairs, um, which was quite difficult, and I'd had a knee reconstruction, so I was carrying lots of food up and downstairs um, each day, and so that made it quite difficult. But it was free, so it was just I did what I did because I knew that it would help. But it got to the point that Meraki needed, we just, my gut feeling and Steve, my mentor and the people around me, it needed a face, like it needed um, presence kind of thing. Um, So we made the call to go to a commercial kitchen. So it's very, I'm very big on it. It's not a cafe. Um, I really wanted a commercial kitchen um, that people could come into and feel like it's a home kitchen. So it's not... Yeah, it's definitely, it is quite different. So people come in pre-COVID, we would have taste testings and different things because I love why Meraki started. I'd be cooking for people um, in my home kitchen and I wanted that just on a bigger scale, really. So I, and just saying yes to catering, it just, because I just wanted to say yes to experience it, to see if that was something I liked. Like the first catering event, I catered for 110 people Um for like seven, I ended up doing seven courses, like just crazy amounts of food. Like they just didn't even need it all, but I didn't know and I just loved it. So I was doing it all. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. I love this. Um, um, I love this say yes mantra. Um, it yes, is, it's yeah. quite amazing. Will you supply the Doolanders with meals for the rest of their lives is the, the <laughs> question. No. Um, so it, it, Jackie, it sounds, like incredibly, incredibly difficult. Like you, you sound like you've worked around the clock for, you know, two and a half years. I get this feeling that you are a fiercely determined person. Um, how have you kept the faith when all of the, all of the pressure's been on and you've, you've been working the long hours? And, um, did you ever think I'm heading back to teaching? I'm going to, you know, put the, the John Travolta white flares back in the case and <laughs> yeah. yeah um I did definitely many times even last year I looked at possibly going back teaching um a day a week to try and supplement income to try and help Meraki because it was just such a it's such a cash hungry business um so many times that I did think I'm just is this just too hard um a big thing when we were chatting earlier, um, I know I am quite determined and I don't know, I don't see it, I guess, because it's in me. But when thinking about when you asked me to do this podcast and um, experiences growing up, like to learn how to drive a manual, I was um, gifted a manual car, but I had an automatic license. And I remember my mum taking me to a back road and I said, we're not leaving here until I can drive a manual. Um, which also meant I could drive myself to netball training, which was an hour away, so that helped. But we just went up and down the lane until I could start stop without bunny hopping and and things like that. I only now reflect on that and think that's my kind of personality. Like, And I'm very much just I want to know how to do it and I'll learn as much as I can as quickly as I can to kind of do it. So I think I always knew... Yeah, that I have that determination to succeed and but also my gut feeling was there that I was 
really passionate about it, but my gut feeling was that people want this, but it was just getting the right support network to help me to, yeah, to fulfill it, I guess, because I didn't, there's so many things I didn't know. So I had and still do such an incredible support network that helped me with all the things that I don't know, which is a lot. So, and then just people like best friends would turn up, um, to the kitchen at 11 p.m. at the shop because I was cooking on my own and deliver pizza because often when you see 10 kilos of food you don't want to eat it because you're just you're so (laughs) sick of it so yeah yeah you're over it the irony yeah yep so the support network really did and still does to this day is a huge help yeah that's amazing you look you you're so clearly passionate about um what you do and like is it does that passion come easily or um have you got a and have you got a strategy for what you do next yeah i guess um some would say that i am too passionate i'm a bit painfully passionate about things um but i'm just how does that how does that manifest itself how does that play out (laughs) well i i just i get so many ideas and i'm so passionate about them that I can work myself too hard to fulfill the those passions, like the dreams. So I can't, and if I get an idea and if I think it's going to be really good, um, I have to do it even if it means like I'll sacrifice and people will say that um, I will sacrifice my health to do that because I'm so determined to get that, which is definitely a weakness. But um, in terms of strategy, yeah, I, I do. Like I've, I have a lot of I'm really passionate now I'm very clear probably because of Steve um, my mentor having a vision and a mission and goals so I set monthly goals but my vision hasn't and my mission hasn't wavered so um, that's made the strategy really easy with what it is that I want to do um, because I know what what my vision is for Meraki and what 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 is that where to next so, yeah, we're, at the moment we're kind of busting at the seams at our shop. So we're in 39 square metres of kitchen plus retail, plus that has a cool room, all the packaging. So I we keep breaking the cool room. Um, just little, yeah, a lot of logistics. There's four of us or there's five of us now. Um, yeah. So looking at just being able to create a purpose-built kitchen um, to be able to cater, do cooking classes how I would love with the kids, obviously COVID-friendly, um, and catering and be able to have more people in to experience Meraki, not to, like, I've never been sales-driven and probably why I've, it's helped to have people outside because I think if you're d- d- yeah, driven by money, you're not going to last. Um, this I certainly wouldn't have lasted if I was driven by money so I would have given up a long time ago because I've lived off no- I'm, I'm very open in saying I've lived off nothing for a couple of years it's just lucky I'm in a food business so I can eat the food you can eat, you can eat. <laughs> yeah. I always say if I wasn't selling mattresses I'd be <laughs> I'd be long gone <laughs> so yeah um, yeah so just doing doing what I love but sharing it with more people and getting more people involved really is the next step. That's a great vision. Um, and you know what? 
I'm absolutely positive that'll that'll happen. Um, so you briefly touched on this, like you know, how, how have you been able to keep it all together? Like you know, you you've got you're juggling so many things, you're trying to learn so many things, you're trying to you know grow a business, keep a business afloat, hire people, point them in the right direction, meet the demands of your customers, work eighteen hour days sleep maybe four or five like how do you how do you it sounds crazy how do you um yeah it, it does when you say it like that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like how how do you keep it all together yeah um oh look i at moments i don't um i definitely yeah my health has suffered a little bit in that regard but i'm getting better and because i listen to people around me um because you can be so in the thick of it um, when you're passionate about it. I have got a really good network, of, as I've mentioned, around me to kind of say pull up or whatever it is you might be doing. But I also am learning now that if I don't do that, if I don't start to look after myself, Meraki won't survive. And won't, you know, So I am getting better at understanding that it, I have to spend money on myself and on Meraki to help Meraki. So I used to, for example, um, I would do everything at night. So I still work all during the day in the shop but do all the catering quotes and all invoicing and everything at night, wages and things, whereas now knowing if I take a day, so I pay a day's wage for someone else to be in the shop, it allows me to do that kind of thing, which is then freeing me up a little bit more. Um, covid has been an interesting thing in that so I when I have catering on weekends I'll do that myself um, to try and help because wages on weekends are just quite expensive so I'll do the catering on the weekends which means I would do seven days whereas now to try and help me I'm not doing as much um, on weekends just to try and give me at least uh, at least uh, I'm trying for a full day off on the weekend so and I'm getting there, which is really exciting. <laughs> that, that is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Probably yeah. exciting for your husband as well. How does he feel about it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. That's the thing. He's very determined with his um, – so he runs the family farm and he works very hard. So we're very driven people, um, which really helps. He's, but he's also probably this year being, become a lot more involved since Meraki has um, it has got a bit bigger. So I've needed, I've needed someone else to kind of, because it was just me just bouncing ideas off and that kind of thing has really helped and just business decisions. So he's very good with numbers, very good with business. So he now comes to all the uh, mentoring meetings, um, business meetings. And if I'm unwell, he'll go in and do um, a day in the shop. He's been known to do a dish, dish or two. Um, is he any deliveries. good? Oh, look, he has more coffees than washes dishes, I think. But... <laughs> <laughs> wow, the yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, ed- we'll edit that bit out. No. Oh, thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, no, he does a phenomenal amount, like fixing the cool room every week and yeah. just, yeah. yeah, just knowing that someone else understands what it feels like but also on the flip side enjoys now understands that um, what it means if, you know, we have a record number of orders or something that's, yeah, 
it's just so nice to share that. Like the team and I've, I've got an incredible team um, that I'm trying really heavily involve um, with everything so that they understand. So we're meeting in the morning and I go over our sales, um, you know, if we hit targets, that kind of thing. I really try and make sure that we all have the same understanding because I want, if they're not passionate and if they don't enjoy it, then business won't succeed. So I really want them to love it as well. So, Oh, Jackie, it, it is yeah. an incredible story from, uh, you can't say your basement, I guess you can say from your garage to, uh, yeah. To, yeah. <laughs> to where you are now. Yeah. There's, there's two questions left and um, it's actually the question that came to mind. I reckon every parent just went, oh, but she didn't tell us the answer. It's what goes into a good healthy lunchbox that will help a kid oh concentrate better or behave better during the day because you pack a kid's lunch a parent has no idea what happens at school yes. unless they they're up to really no good what's your observation from as a teacher and now as a what do we call you uh not a nutritionist but a um food no, expert no. foodologist that's it foodologist oh i like it a foodologist i haven't heard that i actually have a nutritionist on board now to with meraki to help because again i'm not an expert in it um Obviously, first thing are things that they like to eat. I know that sounds crazy, but lots of parents... Cookies, chips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, well, you can do cookies, but you can have oat ones, for example, that keep them fuller. Like, it's about keeping them because they eat it so quickly and they run around for 20, 30 minutes. So, things that keep them full, um, but, yeah, that they enjoy eating... Um, like bananas and things, you know, just things that not just that um, I've always found and some parents might pack a lunchbox that looks good as in because they believe, I found that in Melbourne, that um, they'd be judged on the lunchboxes and things, but the kids won't eat it, then what's the point of it kind of thing? So I always found, yeah, what they'll enjoy, but also getting the kids involved in the lunchboxes is a huge, huge thing. So uh, with all the teaching that I did, I would, every school I went to, I had a kitchen garden. I started a kitchen garden purely because kids will – I had to break up a fight with kids fighting over strawberries because they grew them and then one dobbing on another one because they were pinching kale from the garden. Like <laughs> kale. No one likes kale. <laughs> but these kids were fighting over it because they grew it themselves. So it's a huge part about, you know, them being involved in it. But I also understand, I'm not a parent yet, but I also understand that to do that, that takes time. So because it's so much easier just to put things in a lunchbox to get it done. So I, I understand. So that's, yeah. that's my, great advice. Um, hard battle. That is great advice. My mother was clearly of the opinion that um, cheese and Vegemite sandwiches every day for six years in primary school was the way to go when packing school lunches. <laughs> like well, every day I'd open it up, wonder what I'm going to have today, cheese and Vegemite. Did you ever think, oh, maybe I'll get something different or it was just always? It, it was just an always thing. See, I was with a group, well, all the friends, I used to call it coloured food. So we were never allowed, we used to get one box of, my parents sound really strict, they're not at all, they're just big advocates for health and um a lot of people have coloured food when I went around to the houses, which is now just packaged food. 
but we would have pikelets or my dad would um yeah have um he used to be a butcher so we would have lamb <laughs> like you know really unfortunate family weren't we you know so but pikelets. you had me think- at pikelets jackie yeah God, I love a <laughs> oh so do i i love one hey um last one so yep. you, you know you've had an amazing experience and, and you've told us an amazing story about pursuing your passion so what is your advice for those um of our listeners out there you know that are looking to take the leap of faith pursue their passion um you you said earlier and you're a big believer in um you have you can have excuses or results not both so what's your advice and what's that mean to you yeah i'm i think from starting meraki when i was saving all those memes on and they're everywhere they're just everywhere motivational memes and you'd save them or you'd look at them and you go oh, i wish i was happy or wish i was doing that and um to save it all and to believe that you can do it i just felt like a hypocrite and i think if you're thinking that then then you are like if you're not happy you're the only one that can change that no one else can change that for you um so for me it's a big thing that it's excuses you can either give an excuse that you're unhappy or you change it and you'll get a result so um i've always just thought yeah you either have an excuse or a result um you can't have both so it's a big part for me and and i think i'm a clear you know other people look at um businesses or whatever it might be and go oh i'm not ready or whatever there's never ever going to be a perfect time to start um literally even now like i do things that aren't quite ready i'll launch products or something that aren't quite ready because they're never going to be perfect but you put it out there you'll get feedback and then you can change it and it's a big thing that people need it to be perfect or and they are scared i guess to have a go but um if you just just do one thing, just give it one go. And it can be, um, I always say, you know, it's 24 hours in a day. And if you were to look at how much you might spend on social media um, or just TV or something, if you use just half an hour of that time to focus on something that you're passionate about, because, again, if you keep saying you're unhappy, well, you need to do something about it. Like you do have to take accountability for it, but it's definitely just, yeah, um, have a go and like I said sponsored by Google <laughs> if you're listening Google love it <laughs> love some help um, but start a document start and take a book around with you whatever it might be but I just always think phones because everyone's got them on them and just starting writing things down that you're passionate about um, it just can be as simple as that so huge part I think about it and just go for it because go with your gut feeling and if it doesn't work I just always think you're better off than the person that's complaining about being unhappy because you've had a go at least. Might not work and Meraki might not work, but at least I've had a crack is how I look at it. So, Great advice. Hey, to the Doolanders that are out, out there listening to this podcast and they want to um, taste your wares, how do, they, uh, how do they order? What do they do? Where do they go? Yeah. Yep, so we have um, websites, just marakiproduce.com.au um, and we do weekly um, online ordering. So that's you can find the link on that as well through Kookaburra. Um, 
and have a shop on Dean Street in Aubrey as well. So been asked about franchising and been asked to deliver um, to Melbourne, Sydney, all different places. Unfortunately, because it's fresh food, we don't, we can't do that yet. And I just logistically can't work it out. But we're fortunate because people will look us up. We can, um, like today, I delivered a platter for a lady that um, her family was in, where was it? Adelaide or somewhere. So pretty incredible that you can, we can do things like that. So yeah, and we're on obviously, and on Instagram, I only joined Instagram when I started the business. So I've, again, had to learn how to, did not even know what a hashtag was when I started. So we're on Instagram <laughs> and Facebook. So Love it. And there's there's got to be a um, a, a 40-page uh, coffee table book in um, Meraki one day at oh, some stage. Yeah. What do you reckon? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, haven't thought of that, but yeah, I should. I will actually. I'll do that. I'll go to school and print it out. <laughs> <laughs> in colour. Love it. Yeah, hey, um, Jackie, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute joy to listen to um, your story and your pursuit of your passion. And uh, you've got so much determination. And um, again, grateful that you could spend some time with us and, and share your story. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a yeah very um, out of comfort zone experience and not something I ever thought I'd be asked to do. But I'm so grateful you have asked me. It's been really good. Thank you. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks very much, Jackie. Loved having you on. Thanks, Nick. Thanks. Bye. Have you ever had a John Travolta <laughs> moment where you thought, I've had enough of this, I'm out? I, I Have I ever had one of those moments? I'm just thinking, can we afford the licence to the music to play in the background? And probably not. Um, but no I, haven't, no, I haven't. I mean, I think it's, it's um, no. <laughs> well, that's good. But I, lo- I love how brave she was. She didn't really have a plan. She had this vision board and went, I'm not happy. I'm going to pursue something that makes me happy. And I, I can just picture her in Johnny's big white flares <laughs> at the desk, turns tail, turns around, play the music and off she goes. Yeah. Totally liberating. Yeah, and what she's been able to do from there and – you know, she says, you know, it's only in the last couple of months she's actually sort of realised, oh, wow, I've actually, you know, achieved something. Never saying, you know, you made it. Mm. I'm not sure if anyone ever says they, they've made it, but to, to realise what it is exactly she's done, I'm sure that the people around her earlier than a couple of months ago were going, this is amazing, you, you're doing and have done an incredible thing. Um, but I just love the advice that she's got in there and it's, it's very... It's not manufactured. That's what I really like about Jackie and her story. You've either got an excuse or you've gotten a, a result. And she doesn't care if this had failed. At least she could, could have walked away and gone, I gave it a try. You don't want to live your life full of regret or you know, get to a certain point in your life and, and have regret about the things that you could have done. And she's a great example of someone who's just got out and done it. Done it, yeah. For a lot of people out there, if you said to them, Okay, I want you to work from the moment you get up in the morning and I want you to work for 
hours and hours until midnight, day after day, week after week, again and again and again, for but, years. But one thing that happens at midnight is you have to walk back into your kitchen and see a pile of dishes. That's right. <laughs> Would people be prepared to do that in the job that they're in today? So I reckon if, if they knew the end date, if they knew it was two and a half years to get to the point where you feel like it's not quite as hectic as it had been, maybe, but you can never guarantee that. No one ever knows. It's like being in the middle of a lockdown when it first starts and you don't actually know when it's going to end. It's a pretty awful feeling, but I'm sure in years to come we'll look back and go, Victorians, we had seven months in lockdown. In retrospect, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. So I reckon the vast majority of people would not be able to go and do exactly what you've said yeah. and what Jackie did. Yeah. I, I think my point on, on this is she learnt, understood what she was passionate about and what she got joy from, and that was food and cooking and providing healthy options for, for people. So it didn't matter yeah. that she was cooking until the wee hours of every night, every night. The other thing that I really loved about Jackie's story is the struggle. And she says she's still struggling two and a half years later to ensure that this is a a profitable business. I love the fact she's Googled (laughs) how to start a business, get a logo, like everything that she's done, she's had to research and only of late had a, you know, a business mentor come in and really help her um, with the strategic direction of the business. Yeah. I do like that, um, that no, no doubt. Now, people will say it was luck, but in reality, you've got to put yourself out there to have luck come your way. And the Facebook note that she put out and the F45 owners up in Albury who looked at that and went, yes, that fits what we're trying to achieve here, that is – that is about being an entrepreneur. You've got to put yourself out there. And I'm sure that there would have been moments of Jackie going, oh, I don't feel right about putting this post out yet. It doesn't feel right. I don't have a logo. I don't have a business, but I'll just do it anyway. And that's the difference, putting it out there. Absolutely. And everything rolled from there. And you could easily look back and say, if she had delayed that decision by two weeks because it was in between Christmas and New Year or it was – you know, too hot that day or any other excuse you come up with, F45 probably would have found someone else. For sure. Of course they would have. And that's thousands and thousands of meals that she would not have gone on to prepare and, you know, she learnt so much through that process um, that's, that's gone on to, to be part of her success today. Well, uh, we love all of the doing that Jackie does. Uh, super, super inspiring that she's said, Eh, what I'm doing today isn't making me happy. What makes me happy? Well, a collection of all of these things. Here's the theme. It's food. It's health. It's imparting that onto the community and the people around me. And she's doing what she loves. So I guess the key takeaway is if you're going to start a business and you're not sure whether it's going to make any money, make sure it's a food business because at least you get to eat. (laughs) Good tip. All right. Thank you, Doolanders. Thank you, Nick. Thanks, Blake. I'm hungry. What's next? <laughs> the one and only Matt Nation. Ah, so next week, another entrepreneur. I think in the notes we've got him as the accidental entrepreneur. 
is uh, Matt Nation from Nation Partners. This is another exor- a really exciting story about pursuing what you're passionate about and running a business that's purpose-led. Can't wait to have uh, that story told by okay. Matty Nation. We'll catch you for the next episode. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, Doolanders. If you want to hear more inspiring stories and have this show grow to more and more listeners, do us a favour. Can you like, share, rate and review the Doolander podcast on wherever you get, you, 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 you get your podcast from? Wherever good pods are cast. That's where... <laughs>